This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. And if you guys hear the lovely crickets in the background, um, we are not at Camp Crystal Lake. That is coming from my backyard. Uh, we have the windows open. It is a beautiful, crisp 70 degrees here in our part of Ohio. Uh, we are loving it. It's Actually, nice it's 68 degrees evening. right now, at least according to my weather app. Um, <laughs> it is a very nice fall evening right now. It's great. I can't believe September is literally right around the corner, but I'm happy to get away from the hot-ass weather. I just want it to be like this all the time, but uh, it's hot where you guys are. I'm sorry. I do not envy people in Arizona where they're like, oh, it's like 116 degrees. I would spontaneously combust. I I would die. We're also enjoying the fact that we have, I got a pumpkin cold brew from Starbucks and Becky got a pumpkin chai. So we really are doing it up today. So good. Much, much needed. The pumpkin's needed. So guys, we're talking about some pre pretty heavy subject matter tonight. That also is applying to some current events, which is even crazy because I literally just found out about this today. Um, tonight we are talking about Lake Lanier in uh, Georgia, the state of Georgia. And um, if many of you are unfamiliar with Lake Lanier, it was a black town that was flooded. Uh, there was a lot of racial tension. Um was flooded, bought, and then flooded, and the lake ever... Well, actually, there's even more of a backstory to it being indigenous land that was stolen, and then, yeah, so. Pretty much if you anger indigenous people and black people, like, it's gonna be cursed. So, just a little heads up to anybody to kind of, like, do your history before you go to certain places. So, wait, anyway. what you're saying is that as America is on the ancient Indian Indian barrow? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. cursed? Okay. Yeah. Seems legit. 
you didn't move the bodies, but you moved the headstones. It's literally like, it's literally poltergeist. <laughs> like, it's it really is, though. Poltergeist. Also, I wasn't trying to sound um, like a smartass. I was being for real. Just so, so you guys know. Two days ago, or actually three, this was Saturday, just this past Saturday, just to head you, get you guys up to up to speed on some current events. There was a 23-year-old young man by the name of Edgar Martinez that just died at Lake Lanier. And he is the seventh person so far this summer that has died in that lake. So please, for the love of everything that is holy, pass this podcast episode around to your friends. Get people acquainted. Make sure they listen. Like, share, and subscribe and all that good stuff. We'll go over that in the end and make sure people know what's up because stop fucking going in this goddamn lake. Just search don't. Lake Lanier on TikTok. I can't even believe how many fucking TikTok and Instagram videos pop up about this place. Like, stop going there. Just don't. Stop it. Just get some help. Just exactly. Just don't do it. So anyway, um, I just thought I would get everybody up to speed that that literally just happened. So we're going to go over the history, um, like I said, of it being in a, a historic town, historic black town, all that stuff, uh, what actually happened, and then um, the hauntings. Uh, and then Casper shared before we started recording about someone that reached out that had their own personal experience uh, about Lake Lanier. So we're going to share that at some point as well. Um but just to get everybody up to speed, and this is just kind of a quick background about the lake itself and where it's located. Um, it's a reservoir in the state of Georgia. It was created by the completion of the Buford Dam on the Chattahoochee River. Sorry if I had that Alan Jackson song stuck in your head now. It's a good song. Uh, in 1956, um, so it was named after... Sidney Lanier, who was a Confederate State Army private, and uh, part of the history of the place was that it was originally, um, I can't, I think it was Cherokee. I'm pretty sure it was Cherokee land. Um, but yeah, like I said, we'll get into that. And then we're actually going to not only get into... So now we're actually going to get more into the background of um, what led to racial tension in that area. So the lake itself is located in a part of Georgia that is called uh, Forsyth County. And Forsyth County uh, encompasses several uh, the largest city in Forsyth County is coming Georgia. But um, there's several uh, cities in that area, but like basically the, the majority of it is in Forsyth County, which is incredibly racist. <laughs> um, literally since the 19, the, and the, it's, it's been, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess people can say it's not anymore. You be the judge. But Cumming, Georgia was called a sundown town as of as early as 1912 when uh, Black people were forced out. We'll get into that. The county still to this day has a reputation of being hostile towards people of color and the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, there were 1987 protests in Forsyth County that were 
basically get this civil rights protest in 1987. So just wrap your brain around that. Um, I was born in 84. So, and we know civil rights passed in 65. So like, let's just wrap your brain around there having to be. So that means even, even as soon as 1987, this town was basically still a sundown town. So I don't know. I'm sorry. If you're black or part of the community, part of the Rainbow Coalition, uh, I am so sorry. If you live in coming Georgia, I'm, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry because as far as I'm concerned, it sounds like it's still a sundown town. So is Corbin, Kentucky, which I had to find out. Thanks, TikTok. You drive right through Corbin, Kentucky to get to goddamn fucking uh, Tennessee. My brain. Pigeon Forge. Gatlinburg. Literally, Gatlinburg. Right. <laughs> you literally have to drive through. If anybody knows that drive on 75 yep. from where we live from Cincinnati, like mm-hmm. you, you have to go right through fucking Corbin, Kentucky. And I'm like, oh, and I found out some shit on TikTok. I was like, so it's still a sundown town. Nice. Interesting. Great. Good to know. Thanks. Anyway, um, like sundown towns still exist. Like, people need to, I want a whole deep dive on TikTok. Again, just search Sundown. If you type in Sundown Town on TikTok, there are people like, in the year of our Lord and Savior Taylor Swift, 2023, fucking Sundown Town still exists. I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. In the so year let me of make our Lord Let me make a list. And so, like, check these off the list. And we're going to share the list with everybody. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway. I love it here. So, in Forsyth County, in September of 1912, there were two separate alleged attacks on white women. And we say alleged. So, I just want to say, if anybody knows the... Um, oh, my God. I'm so sorry, guys. My brain is just not working tonight. Um, if anybody knows the Emmett Till story uh i will be prefacing as much as possible throughout reading this that all of these are alleged because first of all these people are not alive to defend themselves second of all this was a time of such racial injustice in a highly charged racial area just like the emmett till uh situ horrible 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 situation that I take with the smallest picogram of salt anything that these white people say that allegedly happened. So I just want to preface that before we even get into this. Uh, You can say whatever you want. You can have your opinions if you want. But I just want to say that, you know, if you don't know the Emmett Till story, if you don't know what was going on in our country around that time, like, yeah. So you just have to take, I, I literally take with the smallest amount of salt anything that anybody involved on the other side has to say. So you have to take that for where you are and what you're dealing with at this time in this country. So I just wanted to say that, little little disclaimer. So this was right in the coming area. It was in the result of black men being accused of suspects. First, there was a white woman that reportedly awoke to find a black man in her bedroom And then days later, a teenage white woman was beaten and raped. She later died of her injuries, which is horrible. Um, Following the first alleged assault, a black preacher preacher who apparently made, allegedly made disparaging remarks about one of the victims was harshly beaten. 
Local law enforcement locked the preacher inside the courthouse overnight to protect him from a mob waiting outside. Other black men arrested in connection with the alleged assault were moved to Atlanta for their safety. A grand jury dropped the case months later. Following the second alleged assault, a 16-year-old black boy was linked to the attack by a pocket mirror sold to him at a local store. It's convenient. He confessed under duress and implicated accomplices. Rob Edwards was one of the men arrested and held in the small jail incoming. He was taken from the jail by a white mob. He was shot and beaten to death, and his body was hanged from a telephone pole. The 16-year-old and an alleged accomplice were later convicted by an all-white jury. Of course they were, just like what happened to Emmett Till. And they were sentenced to death by hanging, which was carried out weeks later in what became a public execution. People also have to remember that there was a time in this country, just like in France with the guillotine, that that was consent that we did public executions, racially charged public executions where white families would literally come out with their children to watch black people being hung. Because that's okay. You can't forget your history. Okay? Have we made great strides in this country today? Obviously. But to erase and act like it didn't happen is mm-hmm. an absolute travesty to the living descendants of those people today. So this was 1912. We talk about the goddamn Titanic all the fucking time and this was going on. So not that that's any less important, but come on. Like that's a part of history. This is just as much a part of history. You can't trade one for the other because one got tied up in a cute little 1997 James Cameron movie. Mm -hmm. And... The other one is horrible and everybody wants to feel fucking... Nobody's asking you to feel guilty. Like, stop with that bullshit. Like, right. just acknowledge. You have to acknowledge these things happen. If you don't acknowledge them and understand what happened, it's doomed to repeat itself. It's the way history works. And it also... Which clearly... It, it also it continues is. to remind us how much better things are. Mm-hmm. Because you have to understand why things are the way they are because of the things that happened. Like... These are the these things should have never happened, but to act like they didn't happen, it's like you're just you you never want to erase history ever. That will always come back, always. In the following months, there were a group of white men that were called night riders that were terrorizing black citizens, warning them to leave in 24 hours or be killed. So that was hilariously uh, parodied in Django Unchained. If you don't want to watch the whole movie, it's fine. But there's a whole scene in the movie, like, where they're putting white hoods on, but they didn't cut eye holes in. And they're like, God damn it, I can't see anything. It is actually really hilarious. <sighs> it's hilarious. Just please, you could probably even YouTube it. Just somebody, like, find that scene. And it's, it's I, I thought it was hysterical. Just to... To interject something funny and to just, you guys know what we, we try to do that. We try to lighten it up when we can. And that's you making, have to. And that's making fun of racists. So, like, why not? I love making fun of Like, racists. I mean, why not? So, yeah, go watch that scene. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious. Um, those who resisted were subjected to further harassment, including shots fired into their homes or livestock killed. There were an estimated... 98 so basically all black people left forsyth county i'm not even gonna read that so every black person every man woman and child of forsyth county that was black left there you go i mean for good fucking reason i mean come 
After the American Civil War, black enslaved persons in the South were that word emancipated. It's like three words. It really fucking is. Listen, and when you've had the week that I've had, (laughs) and Grand retrograde coming in hot. You know, Mercury and Venus in the the microwave. (laughs) Mercury and Venus being in the microwave at the same time. I thought Mercury itself was bad, but you know, you add Venus to that and it is, and then you add a fucking supermoon on top of that, bitch. Well, you know, Venus rhymes with penis and they're terrible, so. You're right. So, um, (laughs) black enslaved persons in the South were emancipated and granted citizenship in the franchise through the constitutional amendments. But by the turn of the 20th century, all Southern states disfranchised blacks by... I'm sorry, I don't like saying that. Like, that actually hurt me saying that. Disenfranchised black people by passing constitutions and other laws to impede voter registration and voting. Georgia Democrats passed such a law in 1908, resulting in the disfranchisement. I'm not going to emancipation. I swear these words. Of black people in the state. In addition, the white-dominated Southern legislators passed laws imposing racial segregation in public facilities, and Jim Crow customs ruled. Most rural black people worked as sharecroppers on white-owned land and were seldom able to get free from poverty. Yeah, so even sharecroppers, it's like you were still enslaved. Because you didn't own that land at all. You didn't own that home. It, right. It's like, it was no different. Um, Yeah. In 1906, Atlanta race riot was waged by white people against black people and reflected tensions in a city that was rapidly changing. Dr. Ansel Strickland, a doctor in Cumming, Georgia, wrote a first-hand account by saying that hundreds of black people were killed by white people in the Atlanta riot. The rate of lynchings in the black... Okay. The rate of lynchings of black people by white people in Georgia and the South had been high since the late 19th century. And accounts of lynchings were regularly published in local newspapers, often maintaining that black people were responsible, guilty either of a crime or a poor attitude. I'm sorry, but I don't understand why a lynching or a hanging of anyone is... If, if people were hung because of a poor attitude, the entire population, probably about 90% of the population needs to be hung. Just saying. Anyway. Y'all bunch of fucking poor, piss-poor attitudes. I mean, like, <laughs> good night. Lynchings were a mean by white people to enforce white supremacy and social affairs and ensure that black people stayed in line, which I know that's why they did it. I was just trying to make a joke of, because oh, everybody yeah, has yeah. terrible attitudes. But there is no laughing matter about that. That's just really awful. The presence of mixed-race individuals suggests that the official ban against interracial relationships was not absolute, including historical accounts of light-skinned slaves being fathered by white owners. At the time of the 1910... I mean, that that is... That that happened in my family. I am a direct descendant of that, of an enslaved woman on a white farm, white man, married, had children. That was my great-great-grandmother. So... So what I'm saying, I'm a living descendant of this. You don't erase no history. You don't act like this happened. I'm only 39 years old. Like, and I'm a living descendant of this. There are living descendants of this stuff happening. Like, and that's why it's so. But it was, but it was their fault. So me being light skinned, it's my fault that 
this piece of shit raped this woman and she's forced to bear his children, but they're light skin and we don't allow what? Excuse me? <laughs> like, excuse me, what? <laughs> You're the one with the fucking attitude that needs to be fucking what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Listen, everyone's <laughs> So at the time of the 1910 census, Georgia's Forsyth, Forsyth County. I think it's Forsyth. I've Forsyth. Heard Forsyth and Forsyth. We'll go Scythe. with Forsyth. Scythe. Uh, was recorded as having more than 10,000 white people, 858 black people, and 440 of mixed people. Yeah, so thank you that's for not just saying it. Um, no, that's <laughs> racist to me. I'm sorry, but it is like if because the word literally means. A fucking donkey and a horse. <laughs> like, so go fuck yourself. See, it's it's words like this that have turned into racist words. And I literally, and it's just... as of like, not even maybe 15 years, 15 years ago, worked with a lady that used to say that word. And she like wasn't ill-meaning. But she thought that like people still said that. <laughs> And she's like, I just thought it was this really exotic word that, and I'm like, first of all, don't say exotic either. I'm not a plant. I'm not a plant. You know, I mean, in reality, Stop sometimes saying you just that. sometimes you just need water and food. Yes. <laughs> My husband's like, Have you eaten today? Have you drank water? Have you had a nap? Did you today? go out in the sun? Did you, you have a nap? One. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, don't use mulatto. Don't use exotic. Don't stop. Don't use any of those words. Um, just don't even speak. There you go. How about that? <laughs> like, don't even don't say any words anymore ever again. Um, so we mentioned earlier that there were two incidences that happened with two white women. On the night of September 5th of 1912, there was a white woman by the name of Ellen Griss or Grice, G-R-I-C-E. That allegedly stated a black man entered her bedroom. She was awakened by him, screamed, and that caused him to flee. Within days, Forsyth County Sheriff William Reed detained Tony Howell as a suspect, along with alleged accomplices Johnny Bates. Okay, so if there was one man, but the, anyway. Right, okay. Anyway, Johnny Bates, Fate Chester, Isaiah Perkle, and Joe Rogers, the five black men were placed in the small Forsyth County Jail located near the coming town square. After the news came out about the attack on Grice, Grant Smith, who was a black preacher at a local coming church, was heard to suggest that the victim was a sorry white woman. Allegedly. Heard. I. So, again, we don't know who said that. Whatever. Outraged. White people horsewhipped him until law officers rescued him and took him inside the courthouse. Guards were stationed to protect Smith from further violence. They prevented the courthouse from being stormed. Smith was later transferred out of town for his safety, and no one was ever arrested or tried for the assault on him. Based on rumors that Black people were at a nearby church barbecue, threatened to dynamite the town, right, again, alleged, none of this fucking happened, armed white men patrolling, coming, uh, came to prevent such action. Fearing a race riot, Governor Joseph Mackey Brown declared martial law and activated 23 members of the National Guard from Gainesville, who successfully kept the peace along with other Guard members from Marietta. 
Later that day, Sheriff Reed sent Howell, his four alleged accomplices, and Smith to the Cobb County Jail in nearby Marietta for their safety. Smith, who was not under arrest, was released there. Fearing that a mob from coming was en route, Governor Brown arranged for the five prisoners to be moved again for their protection, this time to the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. No mob formed in Marietta. Police said that Tony Howell had confessed to the assault of Ellen Grice, charged with assault with intent to rape. A grand jury quietly dropped the case in February of 1913, and he was never tried. On September 8, 1912, May Crow, a white girl aged 18, went missing near Cumming. She was walking from home to her aunt's house nearby on Brownsbridge Road along Forsyth Hall County line. The next day, searchers found the missing girl at noon in secluded woods about one mile from her house. She was lying face down in a pool of blood and her throat had been slashed. She was still alive and breathing shallowly. Crow later died of her injuries. <clears throat> at the scene where the girls was found, at the scene where the girl was found, searchers found a small pocket mirror that was said to belong to Ernest Knox, a 16-year-old black boy. Police arrested him at home, taking him to the Hull County Jail in Gainesville to avoid the recent turmoil coming. On the way, Knox confessed to having attacked Crow after being subjected to a form of torture known as mock lynching. So basically, he confessed because he was forced to. Knox was said to have struck Crow from behind and dragged her down a gully in the woods. He allegedly assaulted the girl with a rock and essayed her. Around midnight that day, Knox returned to the scene with three acquaintances. Oscar Daniel, who, Oscar Daniel, who was 17, Oscar's sister, Trucy Jane Daniel, 22, and Jane's living boyfriend, Rob Edwards, who was 24. The men reportedly just essayed the girl. When word spread of the attack on Crow, a white lynch mob began to perform to form that afternoon at the Gainesville jail. That night, police officers took Knox by car to Atlanta to prevent a lynching. Rob Edwards was arrested the next day as a suspect in Crow's attack and was taken to the county jail in Cumming. Sheriff Reed then left, leaving his deputy to protect the jail and its prisoner. Later that day, a lunch mob attacked the county jail. Some men gained entry, dragged Edwards from his cell, hanged him from a telephone pole in the town square. He may have been shot to death before being hanged. The Atlanta Georgian reported that the corpse was mangled. Basically, they couldn't recognize him. Trucy Daniel. There's a picture of this, too, if you want to see it. I'm Let okay. Me suggest that. I'm but, okay. Yeah. Um, Trucy Daniel and her brother, Oscar Daniel, were also arrested as suspects, and their neighbor, Ed Collins, was held as a witness. For the trial held in early October in coming, the governor again declared martial law. At the trial, Trucy Daniel testified as a witness and recounted the midnight attack on the victim by the men. Ernest Knox and Oscar Daniel were quickly convicted of rape and murder in an all-white jury of 11 farmers and one night watchman. The following day of October 4th, both teenagers were sentenced to death by hanging a Scheduled for October 25th. State law prohibited public hangings. The scheduled execution was to be viewed only by the victim's family and minister and law officers. Gallows were built off the square in coming. A fence erected around the gallows was burned down the night before execution. A crowd estimated between five to 8,000 gathered to watch what became a public hanging of two youths. A total county population was around 12,000 at the time. Awesome. That's awesome. So I love that. Great. I mean, I don't suggest anybody look at these pictures, but again, it's like the picture of Emmett Till and his coffin that his mother said no. Like, she had an open casket for a reason. Because as ugly and as disgusting as what happened to that poor child, 
just like what happened to this poor child, it because sixteen year fucking child. Um, you know, I mean, it it's it's unspeak unspeakable and unimaginable. But again, something that you don't uh, you don't want to ever forget happen because it's a disgrace to act like it just didn't happen. So after the trial and the executions, bands of white men known as the Night Riders from Cherokee County and other nearby counties threatened and intimidated black inhabitants. Um, so these families were either fled or were killed and their properties were stolen. Those that left fled to Hall County and Gwinnett County or Gwinnett County. In 1910, more than 1,000 black people lived in the county which had more than 10,000 white residents. Within the next four months following the events of September of 1912, an estimated 98%, which was literally, as far as I'm concerned, every black resident that lived in that county left due to the Knight Rider threats or were murdered. Some property owners were able to sell likely at a loss. The renters and sharecroppers left to seek safer places. Those who had to abandon property and failed to continue paying property taxes eventually lost their lands and white people took over. Many black properties ended up in white hands without a sale and without a legal transfer of title. Much of this land was in the village of Oscarville, Georgia. Which Oscarville, Georgia, yeah, that was the site of what happened, basically. Um, so that was like Oscarville, so whereas Cumming, Georgia is in Forsyth County, Oscarville is like a village within the city of Cumming. Um, so that was one of the black cities, historic black cities that um, was submerged under Lake Lanier. The Knight Riders next moved on to Dawson County and Hall County where they attempted to do the same thing. Um, reportedly, a few white residents tried to stop them, but they were unsuccessful. They were finally stopped when the Hall County Sheriff arrested 11 of them. This anti-black campaign was widespread across Appalachian, Georgia, with Forsyth being the third county to expel its black populations after Towns County, Georgia, and uh, Union County, Georgia. While White people soon afterwards expelled Blacks from the surrounding counties of Fannin, Gilmer, and Dawson. So yeah, so, that you know, was if, the ugly If you didn't know the happened. history of this lake, but you kind of know the weirdness that goes on around the lake, it makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. I mean that... I don't, I don't know how it gets more, more horrific than that in telling you to just stay away. I mean, clearly it's cursed. Yeah. So this is the haunting of Lake Lanier. Um, this is an article by uh, I think it's Anjali and Jetty, and it's actually told first. It's told in a first-person narrative. So as we're reading it, this is in, interpreting it as this is Anjali and Jetty's. Yeah. So this is his first-person account of it. So restless energy seized the air. It was March 2020. <laughs> right after schools began shutting down due to COVID. And a friend and I were hiking Laurel Ridge Trail, a four-mile loop along the southern rim of Lake Sydney Lanier. A sprawling amoeba, the man-made lake built 
1956 for flood control, drinking water, and hydroelectric power touches five counties in North Georgia. It's named after a 19th century Georgia poet, Sidney Lanier, whose poem, Song of the Chattahoochee, is an ode to the river that feeds it. I had just canceled two trips out of town, and my friend whose father had passed away in England a few weeks earlier recently returned from selling his affairs. The news about the rapid spread of the virus, coupled with President Trump's rampant disinformation, filled us with anxiety. We longed for an escape, fresh air. We jumped in my car and drove 11, 11 miles north to the lake. The western end of the trail runs along the Chattahoochee River near Buford Dam, the colossal barrier that birthed the lake. The rains that had recently moved through this part of the state caused extensive flooding, closed several local parts, as well as the pedestrian bridge in front of the dam. Before the dam and the lake came to be, 700 families inhabited these 60 square miles, an hour drive north of Atlanta. Farms, forests, homes, church, mills, businesses, and cemeteries covered the area. In preparation for the lake, the U.S. government forced residents off the land that had been in their families for generations. The Army Corps of Engineers then relocated most of the structures. If the corps didn't uh, the Army Corps couldn't obtain permission from the family members the grave stayed put. Roads, bridges, and some trees were also left behind, as was the old Gainesville Speedway. During a spear drought the same year I moved to Georgia in 2007, the racetrack's concrete stadium seating breached the surface of it had been dug up in an archaeological excavation. Yeah. So, basically what we're saying simply pass away. is there's a lake and there's a city under it. Because... The lake was expanded. So he's looking at a stadium under this lake. That yeah, is and that's insane. not the first time. Like, there was a severe, I, that was, I, that actually made the news. That was like, there was such a severe drought uh, leading up to that. Um, yeah, I think it was around like 2006, 2007. There was such a severe drought that, uh, you you literally you could see the tops of houses like you could see i mean like no absolutely fucking mm -hmm. not that no so it took a few years but the lake eventually filled today at its deepest point by the dam at plummets 200 feet from the chattahoochee river the trail winds back east across buford dam road to the lake's southern lip as the sun began its rapid descent the water turned black and murky around the next bend we spotted a partially submerged steel dock was it safe? Despite our reservations, we walked out to the far end to take a few photos and then rushed back to shore. We were lucky we tempted fate and survived. Lake Lanier, the largest lake in Georgia, is one of the deadliest in U.S. history. Since its formation, there have been 500 people that have died there. That was as of the time of this article. Um, nearly 200 since 1994. About 11 million visitors descend upon its shores every year, about the same number that visits the Louvre. <laughs> But the lake's popularity doesn't explain the high number of fatalities. Lake Altoona, 40 miles to the west, receives close to the same number of visitors every year, but only has one-third of the deaths. Drown drownings or motor vehicle accidents are the usual culprits. There is no upward or downward trend and no way to predict year after year how many victims the reservoir will, will claim. Sadly, what many of these deaths increasingly have in common is the race of the victims. The lake is a popular recreation. Rec Jesus. <laughs> uh, the lake is a popular recreation spot for Georgia's Latina community. That young man was Hispanic that mm -hmm. just drowned, um, who primarily hail from Hall County on the eastern shore, which is now 28% Latina, as well as the Atlanta Atlanta metro area. 
One explanation of the high number of fatalities lies beneath the surface. Debris and rubble from the lake's construction, as well as everything from sunken boats to lawn chairs to fishing wire, create a treacherous underwater a city. <laughs> this coupled with the lake's low vis I added that. Sorry. This coupled with the lake's low visibility makes rescue operations dangerous. But there's another theory for the body count that the legend has that Lake Lanier is haunted. The perpetrators vary. Some blame spirits from the graves of the Army Corps of Engineers never relocating in 1956. Others fault the phantoms of the 27 victims who have died over the years at the lake, but whose bodies were never successfully recovered. The most famous ghost story, known as the Lady of the Lake, I've heard this one before, reigns supreme in these parts. In 1958, two friends, Delia May Parker Young and Susie Roberts, departed for a dance. After getting gas and skipping out on paying for it, they skidded off a bridge while, while crossing the lake and they disappeared. The following year, a fisherman came across a decomposed, unidentified body floating near one of the bridges. It wasn't until 1990, over three decades later, that officials discovered a 1950s Ford sedan with the remains belonging to Roberts, which meant that the body found way back in 1959 must have belonged to her friend, Parker Young. Locals didn't need a forensic analysis to know this. They had seen Parker Young themselves wearing the blue dress that she had borrowed that night from Roberts, wandering near the bridge. With her, with her handless arms, the story goes, she snatches unsuspecting lake goers and drags them to the bottom. Handless arms. That's great. I had no idea Lake Lanier was lethal the first few years I lived in Georgia. I was simply taken in by its beauty. On sunny days, it's spectacular. Thickets of lush green groves, mainly oaks and hickories, encircle sparkling blue water. 160 small, quote-unquote, islands, hilltops too high for the corpse of engineers to have submerged, crest above the surface. It is a vibrant... I mean, you see pictures, and I've been down through mm -hmm. that area. It's beautiful. It, it really is. It is a vibrant and diverse ecosystem, especially on the southern end. Latina, Asian, and black, black visitors fill the surrounding parks every summer, and our family... Sorry, there was a period. Fill the surrounding parks. Every summer, our family joins them. We toss towels and flotation devices into the car, head to the Crescent Beach of Buford Dam Park. The crisp, savory scent of barbecue wafts through the air. Frisbees and picnic blankets blanket the grassy knolls. Geese and ducks waddle among them in search of leftovers. The swimming hole, far from any boating area, is calm, and the sand underfoot soft. My three daughters have spent hours splashing in the clear, shallow water and trying to catch fish that encircle their feet. When they were little, they'd build towers with plastic bucket buckets and write their names with sticks on the shore. We stay as long as we could until our skin withered and pruned and the last handful of grapes was consumed and the sun gave way to the moon. My naivete. Thank you. Um, about Lake Lanier's dangers ended abruptly in 2012 when 11-year-old Kyle Glover, the stepson of R&B singer Usher, died from injuries when he suffered... He suffered when a jet ski collided with his inner tube. Yeah, I never hear about when this happened. After this horrific accident, I began taking a hard look into the other deaths. The dozens of collisions, drownings of swimmers disappeared after jumping in, and the drivers who rode their vehicles into the lake. Our family does not boat, jet ski, or tube at Lake Lanier. We've never even visited the water park. Our radius extends only to designated swimming areas or trails. Still, when I learned how many people died, it was difficult to me for me to reconcile what seemed like such a serene place with so much tragedy. I mean, look at its history, though. That's the thing. Okay, so I was right earlier about Cherokee being in that area, because this was once a part of the Trail of Tears. I did remember that. 
Um, lake Lanier's tragic history can be traced back long before it became a lake. Forsyth County, which sits on the western side, was once part of the Cherokee Nation. In the 1830s, the U.S. government expulsed most of its members from what would be one of the southeastern's most origins of the Trail of Tears. A second expulsion occurred 80 years later, and this time involving a different community. Up until 1912, some 1,100 Black people owned land and operated businesses in Forsyth County. That fall, on September 9th, the story we just mentioned about May Crow being uh, assaulted and murdered close to Brown's Bridge on the banks of the Chattahoochee in a village, the village of Oscarville. Um, and we just went over that story about uh, what unfortunately horribly happened to Rob Edwards. Apparently in 2021, or it, it's been in very recent history that there was a plaque um, erected in Rob's memory. Um, Crow's death and Rob Edwards' lynching begat more, begat more violence. So this is when the Night Riders, the white mobs that came through night, um, and basically drove 1,100 people out of Forsyth County. So when Lake Lanier was formed in the 1950s, it washed over Oscarville and it turned it into an underwater ghost town. And incredibly, Forsyth County remained an all-white county for a few more decades. In January of 1987, Hosiah Williams, who marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama in 1965, attempted to lead a unity march in Forsyth to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He was met with a white with white counter-protesters in violence. A week later, in a second attempt, Williams was joined by Coretta Scott King, John Lewis, Jesse Jackson, and 20,000 more marchers to Cummings Courthouse. It was the largest civil rights demonstration since Dr. King's funeral in 1968. So, real quick story. My, and this is the same side of the family, that is descended by an enslaved woman. Um, my grandfather, who was very light-skinned, uh, was stationed in that part of Georgia. Uh, many stories of my grandmother talking about driving over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Um, his officer told him, they even put on his army papers that when he was enlisted that he was white because he was so light-skinned they said to say that he was white. So I just want everybody to know that. So that's how and that's how racially racially charged this area was that he was told if he's out driving like to if he's out to say that he was white. Because he passed, you know, and that's a whole thing. There's been I think there's even a Netflix, I think it's called Passing, about a real story. Like, like literally, if you could pass as white and you were in areas that you knew, you just better say that you were white because that basically granted you your protection. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so insane to think about it if you don't understand it, but it really happened, mm. really happened. So soon thereafter... The demographics of Swarside County gradually began to shift. In 1990, 16 black people, 16, 16 <laughs> black people, I mean, it was very easy to count. 16 black people, <laughs> 635 Latina and 81 Asians made their homes there. While the Latina and Asian populations have steadily grown, today black people only represent 4% of the population. I mean, I get it. After all that history, I still wouldn't. Mm-hmm. 
Um, when the George, when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, Forsyth residents of all races took to the streets to peacefully protest. They rallied on Cummings Courthouse steps in the exact same spot where 108 years earlier Edwards was lynched. In January, two brothers, Larry Strickland and Leroy Grogan, whose grandmother was run out of the county in 1912, unveiled. Okay, so that's what the unveiled a historical marker to honor Edwards and acknowledge the injustice of his death. Forsyth, just like any other place in the U.S., is still struggling to reckon with its racist past, but the seeds of inclusivity have been planted and are starting to take root. And while the county is still largely Trump country, <laughs> it's hilarious the way they run. The election last year may foreshadow the emergence of a different kind of politics. The lower portion of the county, which includes coming, which that was once Oscarville and the southern shore of Lake Lanier Falls, in Georgia's 7th Congressional District. Not to get all political. I did not know that's where that article was going to go. But again, you guys have to remember, this is written right around 2020. So the the world was on fire and it still is. But anyway, um, the fire grows. <clears throat> it is this storied past beginning with the Cherokee removal to the banishment of black people in Forsyth County to the lake's disembodied souls in search of some kind of absolution that I carry with me wherever, whenever I visit. A few weeks after my trip to Laurel Ridge Trail, the, like the rest of the U.S., Georgia began shutting down. With most restaurants and stores closed, Georgians flocked to state parks. Our governor refused to mandate masks, so a few visitors bothered, bothered to wear them. Though I longed for another trip to Lake Lanier, the thought of crowds kept me away. Mid-June marked my middle daughter's sweet 16. Like her sister, she missed her friends terribly and was bored out of her mind. I wanted nothing... I'm so sorry... I wanted nothing more than to find a way to make her day special despite COVID. On the morning of her birthday, we woke to unseasonably cold weather. The sky was an uninspiring, uninspiring steel gray. Might fewer people visit our favorite beach at the lake? We decided to take our chances. Late in the afternoon, we packed a cooler full of food and water and managed to stuff our large blow-up alligator into the trunk. Our expectations were low. If the beach was too crowded, we'd turn around and come home. On the 20-minute drive there, I said a silent prayer to the lake. Please, we really need a few minutes in place to ourselves. When we arrived, only a few other vehicles idled in the parking lot. The beach was practically empty. We made a beeline to the far end and had a 50-foot stretch to ourselves. The girls grabbed our inner tubes and noodles and left them to the water. I settled into a chair, dug my toes into the cool sand, and watched them act like teens and preteens that they were for the first time since the pandemic started. A light breeze tickled my shoulders. Was it merely a breeze or the lady of the lake? And what, a, and what of the celestial beings lingering near their graves buried deep under the water? Though I've never been one to believe in ghosts, I've always believed in stories. I leaned my head back and shut my eyes. Just to be on the safe side, I attempted to bargain with the spirit world. We will hug the beach and the gentle waters that lap it, but we will never cross the rope boundary of the swimming area. The belly of the reservoir with its deep dark waters and all of its mysteries and secrets will lead to the dead. They are the rightful occupants after all. The once ominous sky seemed pleased with my offering. A few minutes later, the greenest faded. It was replaced by pink and orange until at last the clouds parted so that the day's last light could finally shine through. So Anjala and Jetty is the author of uh, two novels, one called The Parted Earth and one called Southbound, Essays on Identity and Inheritance and Social Change. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically a firsthand account from somebody that lives right there that after learning the history of the place, you're sort of like, I mean, how, that's why I said people that even live near there, I, I just, I, 
it is beautiful. It's a beautiful, gorgeous area. It's a beautiful lake, but I mean, from the Cherokee history, from the Trail of, Ter Trail of Tears history leading up to what happened and the horrific lynchings and people being run out of town and then losing their homes, the town being flooded. I, I, I oh my God. I, I would stay as far away from that lake as humanly possible, especially since literally three days ago, somebody just, somebody just died. So take that with what you will. I just, I wouldn't go anywhere near that lake. Would not go anywhere near that lake. A lot of people talk about, you know, the hauntings and stuff. And to be completely honest with you, that place is haunted as fuck. The history that it has, just like you said, with all that shit, there's no way there's not something under there. Absolutely no way. So getting into that, actually, I was posted, I posted, you know, you guys know how I always post about what we're talking about. Um, I got a response from William stirring them up 922 at spooky underscore Sterling on uh, Twitter. Sorry, X. Um, who said, as a resident of Gwinnett, I can confirm this place is fucking evil. Um, he lives 40 minutes from the lake. So, very close. Oh yeah, I mentioned that. Gwinnett or Gwinnett mm -hmm. County, however you see it. I said, have you had any experiences? And he said, yep. Yeah. Ghoulish Gal Pod, which is Ghoulish Gal Pod on X, um, ran by a girl named Tasha. Her at is TMR underscore 8706. And he talked about it. But effectively, cousins and he used to swim at the lake as a kid. Something grabbed his friend's foot and pulled them under. Park people said it was a quote-unquote catfish grabbing their foot. We just don't go back. I said, that's terrifying. Can we exchange your ex share your experience? He said, go for it. And that's actually a lot of what people talk about with that place. Is that they feel like something grabs their foot and pulls them under. And it honestly makes me wonder if that's why there's so many drownings. Um... Like, is that caused by something paranormal that pulls them under, you know? It just really, excuse me, it really makes me wonder. I remember seeing an article, I can't remember where I saw it now, but it mentioned, um, I think it was back in 2017 or 2018, a professional diver stating that he felt like something had grabbed him and that he had also felt like he grabbed onto something that felt like an arm or a leg while he was under there. And he very distinctly knows that feeling underwater. And I'm just like, bro, all right. You've said all, I've seen all there is to see. <laughs> like, just don't. Just don't. Absolutely not. Like, I wouldn't go anywhere near... I wouldn't go anywhere near that lake. And it's got me, like... I was I was telling my husband earlier, it's got me... These fucking stories have almost got me just never wanting to go anywhere near any lake. And I fucking love being on a beach near a lake. But that 
let me feel something grab my no. And you, uh, you know, will never catch me in another lake ever again in my life. You know the difference between a fish and a hand. Um, like yes. you're you're gonna know if it's a hand. Yes. And if I ever fucking felt a hand, I it'd be hard for me to be in a pool. Absolutely not. And a pool like obviously any body of water. Yourself. Any body of water ever. I told my husband like I wouldn't even want to stand near a creek. I would like any bo any body of water. Um, so guys, quickly, there have been several different movie and short adaptations about Lake Lanier, horror adaptations, uh, horror shorts, horror movies about, um, the hauntings and different things around, uh, Lake Lanier, but I just wanted to give a shout out to one that is actually coming out recently. Is that the one of, that's 2023? Yeah, it's called Lanier. Um, it is actually coming out. It will be available on September 16th on video on demand and digital. So be on the lookout for that. I watched the trailer today. It looks incredible. We um, actually had absolutely no plans of any of this coinciding together, but it, it just kind of seemed like the timing was like none whatsoever. Just Googling this. This was the first thing that popped up. Um, so apparently the premiere is September 9th and 10th. Um, I'm not sure where the movie is going to be premiering, but uh, there is a link on their website. Oh, okay. So the premiere actually is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in Georgia. There's actually going to be two, two premieres, one in Alpharetta, Georgia, and one in Atlanta, Georgia. If you go to their website, LanierMovie.com, um, we have not talked to anybody involved in this movie. Mm -hmm. It just looked really cool. That was one of the first things that popped up, and we love supporting independent films. So, so I, I didn't really watch the trailer, but is it out. shot in found footage by chance? Uh, yes, it is found footage. Well, no, 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 oh, it's okay. not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not shot in found footage. Sorry, I was thinking about something different. It's not shot in found footage. Um, but just to quickly read a synopsis about it, and this is what really made me love it before I even watched the trailer. Lanier is inspired by the true events of Oscarville, Georgia, and the story of a detective who forces to, who is forced to come to a realization of the dark truths hidden at the bottom of Lake Lanier. Jeff Stevenson, his wife, and his daughter head off to a fun weekend getaway at Lake Lanier to celebrate his daughter's birthday. The vacation turns into a workcation for Jeff to solve a drowning case when he decides to go undercover to work with a local detective named Daniel Wilson. As they work together, Jeff denies Daniel's theories that Lake Lanier is haunted, not to mention the history of the fallen city under the lake, Oscarville, a once thriving black community that was destroyed due to the allegations of assault and murder of May Crow in 1912. Jeff's denial leads him to become increasingly concerned through a series of events. His worst fears soon become a reality when three masked strangers force themselves inside the home, forcing himself and his family into a fight for survival. This movie looks incredible. I've never seen a take on Lake Lanier like this before. Um, I, this, this, it looks amazing. This looks absolutely amazing. And I urge people to see it and support it. Um, so again, September 16th is when it will be released on video on demand. And in October of this year, does not give an exact date, but it does say that in October is when it will be released on digital. So it should be available on YouTube, Amazon, Apple TV, and Tubi by that time. So, um, yes, 
please support this movie either if you are in Georgia and can see it in person or uh, video on demand in September or 2B Prime in October. Um, and hopefully after watching it, we can maybe get in touch with somebody involved in the movie and do a little interview because I'm I'm on board. I am I on board for this shit. movie. I am really excited about this. I'm very excited about this. I'm excited about uh, a take with Black history, Black actors, independent film. Uh, it's 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 a story of a haunting, but it's also giving the history of what happened. So again, we don't erase and forget this history of what happened there. Um, and even to what happened to May Crow, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of what happened to Ellen and May. I don't want to make light of what happened to these women. It's absolutely horrible. But again, like I said, I take with a grain of salt, very small, picogram size of grain of salt. Having any, I, I I'm, I'm just not going to believe that it actually happened that the people that were accused that Tony and Rob had anything to do with this and what happened to both of them, especially Rob and the other people involved is horrific. Um, it's horrific to what happened to over 1000 people that their homes were ripped away from them, that they were murdered, that they were harassed the way they were. Um, and again, don't want to forget the history of what happened, but stay out of that fucking lake. I don't know. Just don't. I just don't. I mean, I know it's beautiful. I know. But like they said, what is Altoona Lake? Go to Altoona Lake. This go to is, anywhere. They are not sponsoring us. We have, I've never been there, but like it said, if you live in that area, Altoona Lake is right there. Go there. Nobody's dying. Go to Altoona Lake. Go somewhere you, that's, that's not there. That's not fucking cursed. There is literally <laughs> anywhere else. Research cursed lakes. If it's not on the list, then you can go there. Great. You're welcome. There you go. We're talking to you, white people. And Hispanic people, apparently. Well, yeah, I, I guess just, so, I mean, yeah. Good night. But like we mentioned, I Curiosity think that just, has, the cat, think that just has more to do with the population of people that live in that area. Yeah. If it's a primarily Latin community, there's going, you know, that just that's just par for the course. But still, just everybody, stay away. Stay out. Just don't. Just, just don't go. Just don't. Just just don't. Just don't. Do it. Absolutely don't do it. This is your warning. This is your one-time warning. That's all you're going to get. Um, so um, after these, I always hate, I, I we always hate saying, you hope you guys enjoy. No, but we hope you learned something. I don't think a lot of people were really familiar. I wasn't completely familiar with the history. I knew about the black town. I was not familiar with the lynchings and all of that. And I really wanted to give a detail. It was very important, especially with it being within my own family history. I really wanted it to be important that that story was told, that those voices are heard, that their memories are kept alive. And that, you know, it's just like Casper said, history is doomed to repeat itself if we don't acknowledge that these things happened so um but next week guys when we are officially in our first episode of september we are doing something fun we're gonna have a fun episode <laughs> we're have fun because we need something fun after these heavy episodes um we are revisiting mothman guys. i love how our fun episodes in, in midst of all of this madness is 
cryptids. We always try. We try. <laughs> I think we we purposefully try so hard, and I think that's kind of been something that we tried to do early on within the podcast after we do a really heavy episode mm-hmm. to not hit you guys with another heavy one because we don't really want to talk about heavy shit two weeks in a row either. So we're kind of doing it for each other. Um, but we were we are revisiting Mothman. Um, this time we're keeping in step with our movies that are related to real life events in real life places. And we are going to be reviewing the 2001, cannot believe that movie is that old, the 2001 Richard Gere uh, film, The Mothman Prophecies, which is, I watched it today, I forgot how fucking good that movie is. Apparently it's not streaming anywhere. You have to like buy it on YouTube or Amazon Prime. Um, it was another one of those movies where go support your local library. I got it from my library. Shout out to my library. Um, but uh, I forgot how great that movie was. I forgot how visually stunning that movie was. Also, I fucking love Laura Linney and Will Patton. I love Will Patton. I love Will Patton. I love him. How can you not love Will Patton? Fucking The Fourth Kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another one I can't think of right now. I just love him. He's such an incredible, he's one of the greatest character actors of our our time. I fucking love Will Patton. He is, he's great. I love him. Incredible. But um, yeah, so we're basically going to be doing kind of a compare and contrast of the movie and the actual events um, in Point Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, talking a little bit more about John Keel. And there's vast differences between his book, The Mothman Prophecies, and the actual movie that came out later that features the character John Klein, played by Richard Gere, Gere, but we'll get into all that. Um, And then we're just going to kind of go over Mothman stuff again. Uh, It'll be fun to revisit. As you guys know, I went to Point Pleasant a couple of years back. It was so much fun. It was such a neat trip. That's such a cute little town. Um, It's a beautiful drive from Cincinnati to that part of West Virginia. Um, We got to drive over the new Silver Bridge. Uh, You got to see where the bridge um, collapse happened. Tragic uh, collapse of that bridge around Christmas time years ago. 46 people died. Um... We went to the Mothman Museum, which was awesome. They had a bunch of uh, stuff from the movie, which was really cool. Like a script signed by Richard Gere and everybody. And like the, I think the the sheriff, because I, I, some of the movie I remembered, some of it I forgot. Laura Linney plays the sheriff. So I think it was the jacket that she was wearing because they actually tried to, I think that was one thing that they said that the the cop uniforms and even the what the firefighters were wearing, they tried to keep everything to match exactly what they wore in Point Pleasant, even though they didn't shoot the movie in Point Pleasant. Um, and if you've ever been there, so it was funny watching it again, actually having been there, because in some opening shots where they show the town, I'm like, oh, they matched it, but that's not Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Like I knew, I knew it wasn't because mm-hmm. I had been there, so you could you could tell. Um, but it didn't take away any, the movie was so good. It's, it's not, you don't really, if people haven't seen the movie in a long time, I just really urge everybody to watch it. It's not like a monster movie. You don't like see Mothman or anything. It kind of deals more with a lot of grief, um, and dealing with death. Uh, there's a shit ton of paranormal aspects to it. Seeing things, hearing things, crazy phone calls, like, um, but we'll get more into John Keel too, because he was really into some 
paranormal uh he believed more in interdimensional. He didn't think UFOs were extraterrestrial. He believed they were interdimensional, like what we've talked about with Skinwalker Ranch. So I cannot wait to get into that because I I love anybody that explores that. Because mm-hmm. I'm big into that shit. Same. I think most of what we've seen is stuff that's here. It's not... Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it. Um, if you guys get a chance to watch Mothman Prophecies, please do. If you want to bust out the four bucks and spend it on Amazon Prime or YouTube, by all means, it's worth it. It's two hours long. I forgot it was that long. But the movie, it's not boring at any part in the movie. Like, it keeps you, it keeps you enthralled. Like, you, if, you, if you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in, like, 20 years like me, um, <laughs> it I watched it when it we, when we did the Mothman episode. I don't I didn't because I, 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 I don't think it was streaming anywhere even then because it's not it's not streaming anywhere now. I'm pretty sure I had it. to rent it. Did you? Okay. I think I did. Yeah, I, I didn't watch. I find it. Did not watch it at the time. But uh, yeah, now at this point, getting it from the library, I need to just find a copy and buy it because it, it's a movie I'd like to add to my collection. Speaking of adding to collections, we just want to give a quick shout out friend of the show, Victoria uh, Vertuga. Um, thank you so much. I got my DVD in the mail. If you guys saw yes. my Instagram post, Casper has a copy as well of Lexi. It's an autographed DVD copy. Um, please support that movie, guys. Please go back and listen to our episode uh, where we interview Victoria, where we talk about the award-winning "Cold Blows the um, Blows the Wind." Was that "Cold it? Blows the Wind"? I'm like, mm-hmm. please don't let me fuck that up. "Cold Blows the Wind." Um, that won a bunch of Horror Hound. And um, I think they just did Horror Hound in L.A. too. They did another fucking cool. They did um, another horror convention, yeah. So Lexi is the DVD that I bought. Lexi's another one that's great. It's on Tubi. Please watch it. Please support. Please go buy a copy from uh, Victoria. If you guys are into collecting VHS tapes again, apparently that's making a resurgence, and I fucking love it. So there's even VHS copies of Lexi. But I'm so glad I got to add it to my Mm -hmm. horror collection. And um, please support independent artists. Uh, we support the writer strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. Um, this is fucking bullshit. What's going on? It's crazy. It's still going I, on. It's fucking wild. Like, please, these. It, you know, I. I think one thing I just want to preface, if I haven't said it already, is I'm getting really fucking sick and tired of everybody just that people still with an iota of a brain cell that still can, that still are saying that what do these rich people need, need more money. If you think every fucking actor is rich. So you're talking over every form of film, including independent filmmakers that every goddamn actor has money. You're out of your fucking mind it's like assuming every musician is rich and you can go back all the way and anytime i ever want to hear people say this shit go all the way back in the 90s when left eye lisa lopez god rest her soul of tlc did an entire rant on a radio show that you can find to this day of this is how you can make 10 million dollars and be broke and she literally broke down from album sales to tour sales to what these bloodthirsty shark producers get these artists make nothing and now you've got ai they're wanting to pay you they're wanting to throw 500 bucks at you which is literally nothing to live on if you live in la it's nothing to live on literally nothing 
They want to throw 500 bucks at you, have you come in and record your face and your voice, and they steal your identity and keep it for 500 measly dollars, and they can make millions of dollars off of you from that point on. This is disgusting. It's creepy. It's weird. Stop. Support these people. Support these artists. We stand with the strike. Pay these people what they're due. Stop this fucking nonsense. These goddamn producers and these production companies have way too much goddamn money. Stop. That's all I have to say about it. I'm, I'm sick of hearing this. I, keep, I see it on TikTok all the fucking time. Anybody, and I don't care if I'm secretly calling somebody out too. If you have a fucking movie podcast and you don't stand with this, I'm calling your fucking ass out too. Stop. This is nonsense. I just do said, some I, research before you open your mouth. I that goes for everybody in the whole world. <laughs> you open your fucking mouth. Swift, oh God. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Thank you. Everything. I know yes. I went on a bit of a rant. I just, this is just so wild. Yeah. Anyway, we, we support and thank you again, Victoria. At the end of the day. And please watch Lanier. Please support that movie. Support. The end of the day, these people, your writers and your actors are the ones who create for you to have money. So pay them appropriately. That's that's common fucking sense. But I mean, anyway. Oh, that's an ambulance. I thought that was a coyote. I'm like, God, is a coyote dying? I, I don't know. We have coyotes <laughs> around here, so. <laughs> so, um, of course, you guys know we have all of the, uh, what do we have? The, the social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at DFWTO Podcast. Um, handle is DFWTO88. No. Yes, 8811. I'm sorry, my brain is shutting down now. It's okay. Um, it's actually cracking me up because I was listening to a podcast earlier where this reporter literally refused to call it X. He's like, I'm not calling it that. I know, I hate calling it And it was just the way he, it's just the way he said it. It cracked me up. So I hate know, calling it X. Time. Honestly, I do. It's a Twitter. Anyway, so. on so, Facebook, Instagram, Dumpster Fire, and. <laughs> well, actually, Dumpster Fire, Dumpster Fire, Dumpster Fire. Um, Instagram is like, okay, but. <laughs> Instagram is just a small trash fire, not a dumpster fire. Right. Um, but if you me, would like to follow and subscribe and uh, give us a rating, we have Podbean, Google Podcasts. Um, the birds are getting a little crazy. Right. Sorry, guys. Uh, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and um, iTunes. You can give us a rating, a subscribe, and all that fun stuff. And also, I've been posting our merch link always. So check out our merch. Go buy our shit. Um, Becky's actually wearing one of our shirts right now. I am. I decided <laughs> and, to wear my um, own merch today. So it's pretty. It's pretty cool. I really like. It's kind of cool when you can say that we that I'm wearing my own merch. It's kind of cool. It is really fucking. cool. I'm going to be buying the Wednesday uh, for podcast shirt soon, and I'm going to wear it at the Cincinnati Comic Con Comic Expo coming up. Uh, so I can't wait. Because I'm going to meet Christina Ricci wearing that shirt. So I'm pretty excited. You have to tell me what she says because she was really cool. Hopefully you get more time with her than I did. I got like 20 seconds. I hope so. I'm going to have a child with me. So I hope that gives me some... <laughs> I have a child! <laughs>
I knew it was coming. I was waiting. I have a child. It's not some random fucking kid. I'm going to have my knees. Poor everybody's like, you, what? I'm just going to grab some. Oh, she has them. Speaking of Titanic. Anyway. All right, guys. Go get your PSOs. Go enjoy the last couple days of fall we have before summer comes back. Um, we love you guys. We hope you have a wonderful week. And, of course, remember, don't, don't fuck with the original. Okay, bye. Ding, ding, ding.